If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. This is the word of our God. I invite you to pray with me. Our Father and our God, we praise you and we thank you for your gospel. We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us in darkness, but you have revealed yourself to us, that you have given us your word, that you have given us your spirit to lead us in the truth. We pray that this morning you would be present to us, that you would open our minds and our hearts to your word, that you would be planting the seed of truth in our hearts, and that you would be transforming us and allowing us to bear much fruit for your kingdom. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. John is a well, well-loved author in the church. There, we tend to have our favorites, and John is usually one of our favorites, especially because he speaks of love a lot. He talks about God's love for us, he talks about Jesus' love for us, and also he talks about our love for one another. And so it is, it is a, um, a writer of the New Testament that we read a lot. And we like his epistles for the same reason. Uh, this morning, uh, we will not be talking about love as much. We will be talking about light. Now, the two are connected. And I guess you will see, we'll see how they're connected later in, uh, as, as we move along. John is well-loved, but um, he is sometimes um, intriguing, if not confusing. And he writes in a way that uh, is quite different from what we are used to. We are used to people writing things uh, in a straight line and uh, with a clear organization, uh, a point A, point B, point C, point D, and you know, moving along, and, and we can follow it clearly. Um, and, and we don't like too much when people repeat themselves. You know, if you're if you're listening to a preacher and he starts saying the same thing again and again, we tune out. We just say, okay, fine, I've, I've heard it already. I'm not, I don't want to hear anymore. We don't like it too much. However, John writes in a in a culture where uh, um, when when you try to 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 teach people, you you don't do it in a linear way, but you do it in a, in a more circular way. You repeat yourself. You repeat the same things. Now you don't say them exactly the same way. So you're not exactly saying the same thing again and again. But it feels like it very often. And, and John writes this way. And so here we read this passage. And it, it sounds like he's saying the same thing again and again and again. However, this is not exactly what he's doing. So this morning uh, I will try to help us take this circle... And, and, and make it into a more, something that is a little bit more linear. You'll find probably that I failed to do that. I will probably be repeating myself. 
But however, uh, I hope we can get something more linear and we can understand a little bit more what he's trying to tell us, where he's going with this. That's, that's one thing. Another thing that John does that is often uh, challenging to us is that he's using a lot of images. He's using a lot of expressions that are not straightforward. They're not always clear. Uh, I, I guess even worse than that, sometimes those images appear to be straightforward, but they're not. And if we read uh, uh, quickly, we think we got the meaning of what he was trying to say. However, if we start digging, we realize that, well, it wasn't exactly what he was trying to say. And we need to pay attention. Um, in fact, John is, is writing in such a way that forces us to pay attention, forces us to stop and ponder. What is he trying to say? So this morning, we'll do a little bit of that too. Um, and so we'll, we'll, look, we'll start with uh, where we should always start at the beginning. We'll start with verse 1. And this verse 1, I think, uh, makes an affirmation that, that should have stopped and pondered. John, uh, just to give some background, John is writing to a church that was... Uh, uh, hurt and divided by false teachers and so he's writing there to reassure believers of the truth of the gospel of the truth of their faith and their salvation and encourage them to live according to this truth and, uh, and so here he starts his epistle by giving us kind of the uh, the the, the um, the cornerstone of all he's going to say the, the what establishes what gives the reason for everything else he's going to say and he starts in verse 5 of chapter 1 by s- summarizing the message that is the gospel that has been preached to this church from the beginning and this is how he summarizes this gospel this message he says this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all now I don't know for you but um, when I try to, uh, to, to summarize the gospel for somebody when I try to give them the, you know, the, the, the one liner to explain what the gospel is about I don't usually say God is light I don't know for you but that's not exactly the line I usually use so we, we have to wonder, why, why is John saying this is the message? This is the heart of the gospel, that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. What does it mean? What does it mean for God to be light? What does this image imply? Maybe I should, do a little, I should take a little poll here, a little survey. Um, I'm coming from Africa I'm used to having people respond and react so um, maybe I'll do some of that this morning Um, what does it mean for God to be light? what comes to your mind when you hear God is light? and children you're welcome to answer also if you want to what does it mean? what does it say about God? You'll have to speak up because I'm a little deaf. The opposite of darkness. Absolutely. And John is playing on this contrast between light and darkness. 
And he says that God is light, implied is pure light, and there is no darkness at all. There is not one trace of darkness in him. So we already have a contrast that helps us understand something about it. But then what is light? What does light represent in that passage? What does darkness represent in that passage? Good and evil. Obviously light is usually a symbol of what is good and darkness something that is bad. The truth. I heard somebody... Light doesn't hide anything. This is a very good one. Uh, and uh, I'll come back to both of you um, or what you would suggested. I said. Any other suggestion? A guide. It illuminates darkness. Yes, I saw hand. Life. We learn from him. Timothy. Well, you know the answer. Pureness. So purity. Um, holiness something that is reliable okay so we have a lot of things that come to mind obviously a lot of uh, and the image of, the, of light is used in all cultures to express all kinds of things and uh, generally speaking light is what is good and darkness is what is bad and it's true in this passage we often tend to think of, of um, uh, light as being a symbol as my son said of purity and holiness and, and of course that would be very very true of God God is, is, is perfectly holy there's not one uh, one little bit of, of impurity and cleanness uh, evil in him however in this passage uh, purity and, and, and holiness are, are not exactly, is not what is in the forefront of what John is, is, is trying to say about God even though it is related to it. Uh, we'll be looking at the passage a little more and, and we'll see a little bit how your different answers connect to what John is saying here. But, so John is contrasting light and darkness and he's saying that God is truly light and there is no darkness in him. And then he's going to speak about what it entails for us in our lives and what, uh, what kind of behavior reflects God's lightness and what kind of be behavior would reflect darkness? Um, and he, he will contrast a few things here. And he says that, um, uh, he starts, that he's, he's talking about having fellowship with God and walking in darkness as being two different things. And he's saying that uh, claiming to have fellowship with God... Uh, we cannot be walking in darkness. If we do so, we are lying. Okay? So we can say that, if, if we play with words, that means that having fellowship with God is walking in the light. Okay? Obviously, having fellowship with God is, is incompatible with walking in darkness. So, it's another way of saying walking in the light. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God Himself. And also, um, there's this idea that if we, um, if we walk in darkness, we are lying. I mean, claiming we are fellowship with God, we are actually lying and we do not practice the truth. So walking in the light has to do with being with the truth. 
Um, and walking in darkness has to do with lying. There's, there's something there. Now, remember, John is writing to Christians. He's not writing to unbelievers here. So obviously, by definition, everybody he's writing to claims, or at least things, or, and for some of them at least do, have, um, or are in fellowship with God. Okay? That's the premise. He's not saying, some of you may claim to have fellowship with God, and others may not. No, he's saying, we all think we have fellowship with God. Because this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to live as a Christian. However, do we walk in darkness or not? Do we, do we, do we live our lives in a way that is consistent with this claim or not? And if we don't, then we are liars. And our life is not lived according to the truth. Of course, the one question we, should, uh, we could ask here is, what truth is he talking about? Okay? And we probably will come back to that. And then he continues in contrasting, he says, if we walk in the light, however, and that means, and here he's saying, that if we walk in the light, that means if, we are, if our life reflects the character of God himself, then, and here we would expect we have fellowship with Him. However, that's not what He's saying. If we walk in the light, if our life reflects God's character, then we have fellowship with one another. See, it, it sounds a lot the same as what He said before, but it's not. It is parallel, but it's different. It's, and it's taking us off guard a little bit, I think. At least it does with me. When I read him, uh, I find him, I'm expecting him to say something, and he's saying something else. So I have to think, wait, wait a second, what is he saying here? So, if we walk in the light, if, if our life is, conforms to the truth, if our life reflects God's character, then we have fellowship with one another. And something else that is true of us is that the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So if, if our life is lived according to the truth, then two consequences. One is, our sins are forgiven. We are cleansed from our sins. And we can live in fellowship with one another. And he continues, and he says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth, again, that truth comes back, that truth, the truth is not in us. He started by saying, if we claim to be in fellowship with God, and, and yet walk in darkness, we are liars. That means we are lying to other people. Now he's saying, if we say that we have no sin, we are lying to ourselves. And of course, lying is the contrary of truth. So not only are we not walking in truth, but we don't even have that truth in ourselves. We do not own this truth. We do not, it doesn't reside in us. It doesn't define who we are. However, the contrast to that is that if we confess our sins, of course, that's the opposite. If I say I have no sin, that means I have no sin to confess. If I say I have no sin, I don't need to confess anything. 
However, if we confess our sins, then the consequence is that God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, there is a progression here. We start with having fellowship with God contrasted with walking in darkness. And then we, we move on to walking in the light versus saying we have no sin. And confessing our sin as a way of being forgiven. So there's, there's a movement happening here. It's not a straight line, but there is a movement, there's a direction. We're progressing. And he goes, John continues here, contrasting the two ways of life. And he says, if we say we have not sinned. See, he's, he's, he's saying three times the same thing in different ways. Walking in darkness, saying we have no sin, and then saying we have not sinned. They're basically the same, the same, the same thing, uh, said in three different ways. And, there, and here he says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make... Him, meaning God, a liar. And His word is not in us. You see, denying as Christians, again, this is very important to keep in mind, He is not talking about humans in general. He's talking to Christians in the church. If we deny that we are sinners, even now, our denial amounts to lying to others, lying to ourselves, and it amounts even worse than that, to saying that God Himself is a liar. This is pretty serious. The reverse of that is walking in the light. And when we walk in the light, We have fellowship with one another. Our sins are forgiven. And understood, if we look at verse 6, we have fellowship with God Himself. Another thing that is related to that is if we walk in the light and therefore confess our sinfulness, the truth is in us. And we practice that truth. And I said, but what truth is he talking about? Well, here, verse 10 tells us what truth he's talking about. God's word. Here he says that when we, when we claim we have not sinned, we make God a liar and God's word is not in us. That's the truth he's talking about. So now we're getting closer to what is the meaning of this light and God is light and, and truth and word. You see, what he's saying here is that God's word, God's truth revealed to us in and through Jesus Christ is what? That we are sinners. That we are sinful. That we need to be forgiven. That we need to be cleansed. And that if we have fellowship with God, which actually means since we have fellowship with God as Christians, our lives should reflect this truth. 
our speech, so to speak, what we say about ourselves, should reflect this truth. That the way we live our lives should reflect the truth that God said that we are sinners in need of forgiveness and cleansing. When John is encouraging us to walk in the light according to the truth, he is not telling us now that you are Christians, now that you are uh, born again, now that the Spirit is at work in you, recreating you, go ahead and have a perfect life. Because John knows that that's impossible. We can't have a perfect life. We cannot not sin. We cannot glorify God and obey Him in everything we are and do. So how do we obtain fellowship with God and fellowship with one another? Through forgiveness of our sins. Through cleansing. And how do we obtain that forgiveness and cleansing? Well, through confessing our sins. And the reason we can come to God and confess our sins is because we have, we have a lawyer defending us. I mean, driving through, the, through Florida, I'm... I'm, I'm struck by the number of billboards advertising for various lawyers who are supposed to be here to defend you and protect you and save you from all kinds of evils. Um, But there's only one who's really important. It's Jesus. And Jesus is our advocate with the Father. And what that means is that He's there to defend us. He's there, I guess to put it uh, somewhat uh, uh, lightly, He's there to get us off the hook. And how can he be doing that? How is it that Jesus can be with the Father and obtaining forgiveness and cleansing for us? Because he is our propitiation. Oh, that's a big word. That's a mouthful. Especially for a, for a foreign speaker. What does it mean, he's the propitiation? Well, propitiation is, is associated with atonement. That means... That means n- that Christ died for us. That means that He took upon Himself uh, uh, the, 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 the punishment, the judgment for our sins. But propitiation goes a little further than that. Yes, He took away what separated us from God. What He took away, he took away what made God um, uh, um, angry at us as a righteous judge, and made that God propitious to us. That means favorable to us. He's made that God who was an angry judge our loving Father. So yes, Jesus is interceding for us, but He's interceding with a willing judge. He's asking God to forgive us and cleanse us. And this God, that's exactly what this God wants to do. So, If we want to have a life that honors God, a life that can be, uh, uh, that is characterized by truth and light, as this pastor says, 
we are called to confess our sinfulness, to confess our specific sins, but also to simplify that we're a mess. We're, we just can't do it. We don't have our acts together. We don't control our lives. We can't live a life according to God's law. There's just no way. And this is not just having such a transparent... Um, or, or being able to confess our sins easily to God Himself. It is having a transparent life with one another. Walking in the light is not just before God, it's also among ourselves. I hate to say that, but I find that as Christians, we are very good at hiding our desperate need for grace, forgiveness, and help. We are caught up in this culture of, I can do it myself. We are caught up also in this, uh, in this mindset that if I recognize that I am needy, that I can't live my life well without other people's help. I'm a failure. Nobody will respect me. In fact, I think we often think we're the only ones struggling with that particular issue. We're the only ones having doubts. We're the only ones not succeeding in having a life that is just squared, you know, squared properly. We're the only ones who are not sure how to live our lives. We're the only ones having such sin and such issues. But you know what? That's a lie of the devil. We all do. It's just that we hide it very well from one another. And so the lie appears to be true. How can we have fellowship with one another when we keep hiding our true selves and our true struggles and our true needs from one another? How can we be one in our faith with Christ? And how can we be one in our love for one another if we're all wearing masks and pretending we're someone else? You may not think it's that important because we're also caught up in this me and my Bible and me and my God kind of faith. Okay? I don't need anybody else. Just me and God. That's enough. We'll, we'll, he'll take care of it. But that's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches about faith. And especially not the Christian faith. We are called to depend on one another. We are called to love one another. We are called to bear with one another. We are called to support and help and encourage one another. In fact, Paul speaks of God's grace in Ephesians 4 as coming in the form of people being given to us. When Paul uses the image of the body, he's also saying we are there for one another. We are necessary to one another. We need each other. Not just Jesus. 
We are God's grace to one another. And Jesus goes as far as saying that the unity, the love that will characterize our communities, our relationships, demonstrate, prove that He really is the Christ and the Savior. It is not an option. You know, the Christian faith is not there's a bare minimum. Me and my Jesus. And then I have electives. Things I can add to it if I want. You know, like a car. You buy your basic car and then you can have electric windows and this and this and that. No, this is not. The body of Christ is at the very heart of the gospel. It is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian and to live a Christian life. Having fellowship with one another is not an option. It's a requirement. But for us... To have that type of fellowship, to grow in that type of love, we must first become fully aware of our sinfulness, our weakness, our need, our failures. And then being ready to, to be transparent about it, not to pretend, not to hide it, but to bring it before the throne of grace to be forgiven and to be willing to let others see how much we need that grace. As Christians, we sometimes feel the need to be much better than the world outside. And we feel the need to at least look better than the world outside. But this is not the Gospel. The Gospel is not about God saving great people. The Gospel is God saving desperate sinners and this is what our communities are called to reflect and represent and live out day in and day out and we can do that because we have an advocate with the Father Jesus who is our propitiation our sins have been paid for we can be forgiven we have been forgiven and we, we can be forgiven for all our struggles and we can be clear for them. There is no condemnation. There is no one to accuse us anymore. So we can be honest about it. We don't have to fear anyone. And also, as we are, as we grow in our awareness of our own sinfulness, it's easier to accept other people's sinfulness and to love them. It is hard to love people that we think are a failure when we think we are so great. However, it's not, it's not hard to accept other people's weaknesses when we, when we realize how weak we are ourselves. And Jesus is the model for us. Even though He had no sin, He humiliated Himself to the lowest level that we can think of. And if our Master and Savior was willing to go down this route... How much more should we to follow him there? So we can die to ourselves, so we can die to our sin with him. And we can be and we can be raised again in glory with him too. The way to glory is humiliation. The way to holiness is confession of sin.
And confessing of sin is not just saying, I've done something wrong. It's also saying, I need help. I can't do it myself. I can't keep myself from doing this. The way to true fellowship is transparency of life. And humility with one another. And building our lives and our communities on the truth of God. And the truth of God is that we are sinners. We are desperate. But God has provided for us in His Son Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank You and we praise You for Your grace and for Your mercy and for Your love. We thank You that You have saved us while we were Your enemies. You have given what was most precious to You to redeem people who hated You, who rebelled against You, and were chasing after all that displeases You. Father, we praise you and we thank you not only because you've saved us in spite of our sin, or you've saved us because of our sin, but you don't, you, you don't save us and, and love us like that. You want to change us. We thank you, Father, because your grace is at work in and among us. We thank you that your spirit is at work in transforming us. We thank you that you have broken the yoke of sin and we are no longer slaves. We thank you that you have given us the freedom of the children of God. We thank you that your light is shining in our lives. And that your light is shining through our lives. We thank you, Father, because you have made us your children and you allow us to, to resemble you. We pray, Father, that our lives and our communities would be, would be better reflections of your word, of your truth that we would be willing to confess our sins, that we would be willing to recognize our desperate need for your grace and mercy, and that we would be willing to confess to the whole world that you have saved us. We couldn't do it ourselves. You have given Jesus to die for our sins. We pray, Father, that you would be at work among us, that you would give us the love and humility that we need, that you would open our eyes to our own um, desperate situation outside of Christ. We pray, Father, that our churches would be havens where sinners would be drawn to hear the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Where they would be welcomed and loved. And where they would be free and safe to confess their sins and to receive your grace and to be loved and helped and encouraged. Because this is the gospel. And this is what glorifies your name. Father, bless us in this way so that your name would be glorified. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.